Hello and welcome to Basic Bible 102. I'm Margie Smith, and today we are covering Lesson 16, which is about how Jesus fed the 5,000, and in another place, 4,000. As we have been covering the life of Jesus in this first module of Basic Bible 102, we have seen that Jesus has been able to do all kinds of different miracles. And people are realizing that Jesus can heal, he can uh, teach, all the things that Jesus provides for them, they welcome, they accept, they embrace. But the people who don't accept and embrace it are the spiritual leaders of the time, the Pharisees and the priests, Sadducees, those people who were actually should be the ones who are um, teaching and um, encouraging people uh, and caring for the people, but, but they don't. So Jesus uses an example to show that he really can provide no matter what. And this particular example, which we are going to turn to John 6, um, is also recorded in Matthew 14, Mark 6, Luke 9, Matthew 15, Mark 8. Several places we see Jesus feeding a lot of people. But for our purposes, let's start with John 6. And right at the very first verse, Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is, the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him, because they saw the miraculous signs he had performed on the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. So we see Jesus is tired. He pulls away from the crowd, wants a few minutes to himself with his um, disciples. And in this time, the people are still gathering and they're um, beginning to wonder, okay, where's Jesus at? Uh, Let's continue on through verse 10. The Jewish, Jewish Passover feast was near. And when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, Eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up, Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will that go for so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. And Jesus then took the loaves and gave thanks and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw this miraculous sign that Jesus did, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come to make him king by force, withdrew again uh, to a mountain by himself. So here we see Jesus uh, noticing that the people are all around him. 5,000 people, that's a lot. And he turns to Philip, one of his disciples, and said, where can we get enough food for all these people? Now, Philip is aghast. He's like, what? What do you mean? We can't possibly feed all these people. If we had eight months worth of wages, it wouldn't even be enough for a bite for each one of them. So he's looking at Jesus like, what are you even thinking? 
And yet we see Andrew pop up and say, well, there is a boy here. He's got a couple, you know, five loaves of uh, bread and a couple of fish. And so, but that's not going to be enough, of course. I mean, maybe it might have been enough for just the, the 12 disciples. And Jesus instead says, just have everybody sit down. And he takes the the little bit of food that they have found and uh, thanks God for it. And then asks the disciples to start um, distributing it. And you would think that the first row might have gotten a bite and the rest were like, well, that was a nice thought. But no, the, the, as, far, as many people uh, grab the, um, as much as they want, and there is plenty of leftovers. So it's a miracle, and the disciples know this. Now, I, I think the people were pretty much aware that this is amazing that he can feed all these people. And we'll see in several places that uh, Jesus does miracles, and the people, I think, get a little bit used to it. They're used to his healing, and now they're used to him being able to feed all of them. Um, but at the same time, Jesus is uh, holding back. He does not want them to come and get him and make him the king by force. That's not his plan. So uh, as we see, um, when Jesus asks his disciples, you know, where can we get enough food? Their response is one of disbelief. So even the disciples who have seen all of this frequently are a little bit taken aback by this. So have you ever been in a situation which really wasn't impossible? You just thought that there's just no easy way out of this. And you called upon the Lord for help and he answered. So take a moment to think about that. I'll give you an example from my own life. A friend of mine was, uh, a young couple were married and had two small children, and the husband had a drinking problem, and he had gotten one DWI, and then um, not too long after that, another lost his job. Uh, the wife was really t- just beside herself. She, she was just done with the whole mess, and so she was going to file for divorce. And because I loved this couple and I couldn't, really didn't want to see these poor kids not grow up with their mom and their dad, that was one of the situations that I thought, well, this is impossible. It's impossible for him to give up drinking. It's impossible for her to find some way to be able to make this work. And so I just prayed, God, this is an impossible situation. And if you don't intervene, then the world is going to tear these this family apart. And lo and behold, the Lord just got a hold of this man and changed his heart and convinced him that he could never drink again. And so, and since then, he has not ever, you know, for quite a long time, has not had one bit of alcohol. And the wife was able to forgive and mend the relationship. And so now that couple with their two small children are still together. And this is a great example in my life of what God can do when we think it's an impossible situation. You may have impossible situations you're dealing with now, and they could be because you need something and you just don't have the money for it. They could be because you need someone's heart to change, and you can't really change anyone. Only God can do that. And so it becomes very difficult to know how how is this going to resolve itself? And from our perspective, we just don't see a way out. But God, who is God, 
uh, and working through Jesus, was able to see all the people and see what could be done, and he was able to do it. In this story, we see that everyone had plenty to eat and there were leftovers. So it wasn't like Jesus barely scraped out enough, you know, from the bottom of the barrel. There was plenty. So what do you think the disciples thought after this miracle? Because they knew where the fish and the bread had come from. I think they were probably even more convinced that they were dealing with the Son of God, the Messiah, the miracle worker. Um, So right after the people finished eating and Jesus tells them to all go home and he instructs, instructs his disciples to head across the lake. And as they're heading across, Jesus instead goes up to a nearby mountain to pray. You know, he sought times alone with with God in prayer and needed that. And I think that's a big example of when we are called upon to do mighty things, and sometimes we are, then we do need time alone with the Lord to recharge. The passage back in Matthew, Matthew 15, 32 through 39, and Mark 8 uh, 1 through 10, uh, talks about feeding a crowd of 4,000. And it's very much the same story, mostly that the disciples didn't have any food to feed the people and the Lord provided. In your homework, uh, Luke 9, you were looking at uh, what the disciples uh, were supposed to bring with them on their mission trips. So that Jesus had sent the disciples out on mission trips, and really he told them, don't bring anything. Don't bring an extra coat. Don't bring any extra food. Wherever you go, just take advantage of the hospitality there. And if the people do not welcome you, just shake the dust off your feet when you leave that town and it will be a testimony against them. So the disciples go out and they're preaching Jesus, and in the process, they are able to do miracles too. They're able to heal people, and they're able to uh, share about Jesus, and the people who accept the disciples and care for them are blessed in the process. When they return, Jesus welcomes them back, and he, and he withdraws to a, uh, the town of Basidia. Now, Basidia is up near Capernaum, the very top northern part of the Sea of Galilee. So Jesus is still working at this time in the um, outskirts, away from Jerusalem, in the area, uh, the northern part of Israel. We are going to look at one more example of Jesus feeding a large group of people. So if you'll turn back in your Bible to Mark 8, we're going to start in verse 14. And it says, The disciples had forgotten to bring bread except for one loaf they had with them in the boat. Be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. They discussed this with one another and said, It must be because we have no bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, Why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000 and how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? Twelve, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many baskets of pieces did you pick up? And they answered, seven. And he said to them, do you still not understand? 
So Jesus is telling them to beware of the yeast of the Pharisees. And we may have uh, mentioned that in, this in a previous lesson, that yeast represented sin and uh, for the Jews. And they, in fact, during the time of the Passover, they made a big deal of cleaning out their house so there would be no speck of yeast in it. And so what he's saying is that the Pharisees are leading you down this merry path that is not going to bring you uh, closer to God. And and it really is their error in trying to do that. And instead, he's saying, just watch out for that. But the disciples don't get it. You know, they're still focusing on the physical uh, issues of yeast and bread and not having enough. And this is pretty much typical when Jesus does mighty things for us. It's easy to get tunnel vision and only see just what's right in in front of us, just the desperate need or the to be confused by what the Bible says or con- confused of what God is actually doing. And Jesus is showing them that you've got to step back and you've got to see the bigger picture and you must remember what he has already done. Because the, the truth is, if you look back, you can look at your life and see that God has been with you every step of the way, even when you didn't know it. And so he's reminding the disciples, hey, I took care of you with the 5,000 and with the 4,000, and now you think that I might not have enough food for you? So he is kind of addressing their doubt and their uh, tunnel vision. So how do you think we can avoid falling into the same error as the disciples, just focusing more on our own needs and not Jesus' ability to provide for them? We can begin by reviewing what God has done in the past, we can remember what he says in the word and scripture, and we can listen to the Holy Spirit since we have that uh, in these days uh, to lead us and to pick our eyes up off of the problem and focus on the problem solver, which is Jesus. So it's no wonder that people follow Jesus. He healed, he fed them, he cared for them, he loved them. Uh, Many believed that Jesus was the Messiah But, of course, the Pharisees and religious leaders did not. In fact, they refused to believe that Jesus was the Son of God, even though they saw the same miracles that everyone else did. They, instead, were too focused on not wanting to mess up their relationship with Rome and not wanting to cause trouble and trying to keep the peace. Um, Very much focused on the here and now and not on the bigger picture of eternity. So in today's lesson, you've seen that Jesus was able to use resources available to provide what was needed. You've seen that Jesus loved and cared for people, and the people began to believe Jesus as the Messiah. Uh, You've seen that whatever we need, Jesus can provide. And you've seen that some people will not believe in Jesus, no matter what miracles they may experience or see. So for next week, we are going to focus on the miracles Jesus did for the non-Jews. Because up until this point, he's pretty much uh, confined his miracles and his teaching to the Jews. And then after this, he uh, begins to reach out to the Gentiles. Um, Now remember, Jesus himself says, I came for the house of Israel. And yet, he did not exclude those who were not Uh, part of the house of Israel. And we will look at that next week. So in preparation, if you will take the time to read through um, Matthew 8, Luke 7, 
Matthew 15, Mark 7, John 4, you'll have an idea of what was going on with Jesus and the, the non-Jews. Now remember, the, the Samaritans, which we've talked a little bit about, were thought they were Jews. They were kind of, uh, I don't know, you might say just a different sect of the Jews, but they believed uh, and worshipped differently than the Jews in Jerusalem. And yet Jesus reached, has already shown how he reached out to them. And so for the next lesson, we'll see how he answers the prayers and the requests of even um, people who are not part of his original um, purpose in coming. If you are working through the workbook uh, for next week, you will be looking at John 4, 1 through 30. And there's some questions about that. And if you are not part of a study group and you don't really understand some of the questions, be sure and email me, margie at basicbible101.com or basicbible102.com. And you can look on the website as well to see some of the answers to the homework, which uh, they don't have to be exactly the same thing I put, but as long as you're in the right general um, understanding of what's going on. And a lot of the questions are personal too. So as always, I want to say thank you for joining us with Basic Bible 102 and for this particular module on the life of Christ. We have only five more lessons, and so we're going to be wrapping up the story of Jesus. uh, Shortly after, next week and the week after that, we'll be looking at the crucifixion and the resurrection. And then you will have the opportunity to take a final. So be sure and take some time to go back and review. If you've been staying up with the quizzes, that's a great place to look to review as well. So until next week, be blessed.